everybody, welcome back to Feedback Loop. I'm Joey. And I'm Jeremy. And this week we are continuing down the, the rocky path that is <laughs> folk punk. And we've hit an album that I like a lot called Knife Man by AJJ, formerly known as Andrew Jackson Jihad. And still kind of technically still known as Andrew Jackson Jihad because it's still AJJ. Yeah, kind of. an acronym for it. They wanted to do an acronym. I think at the time of this album coming out, they were still Andrew Jackson Jihad, but I think it was after this album came out, they were like, you know, Andrew Jackson was kind of a shitbag, and we have really <laughs> no ties to Jihad. Just like, that means nothing to us personally, so why is it in right. our, our name? So they, it's just AJJ. But, well, hell yeah. We, we we have indeed hit it. It is It is the album that we done did yeah. this week. And now we're now we're talking about it. Do you have anything specific about this album? I you mentioned that you really like this album. Is there like a specific like connection you have with it? So okay, they had a previous album that used to be my favorite, and I liked their more acoustic style, which is kind of what they started out doing. The more folky aspect of the folk punk. I mean, they still definitely had the punk, but right. uh, the out al- they had an album in two thousand seven. People who can eat people are the luckiest people in the world, and I fucking loved that album and I tried to listen to some of their newer stuff at around like maybe 2016 and I was just like I just don't like this as much but I never thought to give this album a chance yeah and then finally and like it was like 2018 or 2019 ish that I did and it just I was just like shit man I really like this yeah well, that's cool. That's cool. Hopefully, I have a, a similar sensation. Oh God! But according to our conversation prior to us recording this, Joey didn't seem very hopeful that I was going <laughs> to like it. Uh, yeah, or, or any any music. Uh, for those who don't know, we're kind of going on on a little folk punk journey. The Joey is guiding me through albums that he likes, and uh, hopefully, trying to take me somewhere that I like. But uh, last week's episode was two hours long, and it. It felt kind of flat, I think, to me. Uh, the so. album or the episode? Both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not the episode, not the episode. It was a long-ass <laughs> episode, so we apologize. Hopefully we'll keep yeah. this one shorter. And in the spirit of that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just move move right along quickly as if I was some Michael Jordan of drunk driving, just kind of just reading through all the stop signs and just, just getting right into it. Nice. Getting right into it, short and to the point, just like this song is. Track one, the Michael Jordan of drunk driving. So killed it. <laughs> um, I mean, this song isn't really an indication of the rest of the album, but what'd you think of this song, Jeremy? <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's kind of a chill intro track with some acoustic guitar and a little bit of mandolin kind of going in there. The singer's voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you knew this was coming. Everyone yeah. everyone saw this coming. It's not awful, but it he he doesn't hit all of the notes perfectly. And it's not it's not like it's not a poppy voice, right? And yeah. I'm very picky with vocals and stuff. <laughs> so it sounds a little bit wonky but it's a 20 second song so there's not there's not too much of it it's not too bad i like it musically it's it's just kind of it's just there it's there and then it's gone yeah like really it i it gets stuck in my head all the time and it's i don't know it's a good nice intro i'm i don't have anything to say about it too much it doesn't really it just kind of sets up the album the michael jordan of drunk driving obviously it's like oh he must be really good at drunk driving this guy's like sets the mood maybe this guy has an alcohol problem and yeah to get that good at something you have to do it a lot so yeah 
but uh, it's yeah. the Michael Jordan of drunk driving played his final game tonight. So presumably he's dead. He's he's dead, or he <laughs> he he got in some sort of life altering incident because of said drunk driving. Yeah, but, that was the implication. It, it was it's very short and it's kind of not explicit about what what happens. It's it's kind of kind of got some some poeticness to it that's kind of vague. But yeah, it it definitely seems that like. Uh, Someone, someone was depressed, alcoholic, maybe, and uh, he he's no longer existing. <laughs> yeah, maybe he uh, just got distracted reading the unreleased sequel to the popular book "Gift of the Magi," "Gift of the Magi 2: Return of the Magi." While and he was drunk driving, while he was drunk driving, and that's what and caused him to wreck. He crashed right into track number two. <laughs> "Gift of the Magi 2: Return of the Magi." So this is really where it starts. Do you have anything to say here? I have so much to say, Joey, about all of the songs on this album. Oh my god! <laughs> the, the energy on this one ramps up. This this hits that kind of like more the more punk aspect of it, the more rocky aspect of this album. Uh, it has a cool kind of blend of some like surfy guitars and the mandolin. His voice on this track is way worse than it was on, on, <laughs> on the prior track. It's like, I don't know, the way he sings, it's super, like, shaky. Yeah. And it sounds like he's constantly, like, out of breath and just, like, fueled up on, on like, drugs or caffeine or something. And he's just kind of, like, just kind of, like, spewing words out as they as soon as they hit his mind. And it, it's very, like, chaotic and hectic, the way he sings. And, uh, I don't know, it's it's not... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil this. By the end of this album... I was I was just used to it. Like I, I adapted very quickly to it. But these first couple tracks, I'm just like I, I can't get into it. Every time I listen to this album, I feel like I said this about a different album as well. But every time I come into this album, I'm immediately like I don't like this. And then by like the third or the fourth track, I'm I'm over it and I'm into it. So you did say it, but I can't remember what album it was. I'll have to peruse through the catalog of like the fucking <laughs> hundred hours of podcasts that we have now. Yeah, but, just uh, in, in the last fucking month, we've had 100 hours of oh content God. just because we have long episodes <laughs> now, apparently. So I guess I'll... Uh, the, the album that we're doing next week is going to be the other album that I would have picked for this week. Okay. But this, I wanted to pick this one because you had said stuff about kind of the the voice that that Eric Peterson put on it for Mischief Brew. It was yeah. kind of like a uh, like kind of pirate voice. Yeah. But... Sean Bonnet, the dude who plays guitar and does vocals, I feel like his voice is really raw. Like this is his voice, it's his natural like, voice. Yeah, yeah. So right. I, I, I went with that, and the fact that there's more, it's more of the punk, I guess. Like you right. can kind of see on this song, there's like distortion. It's not. There's still an acoustic feel to some of the background instruments, but yeah, a lot of it still has a distorted punk feel. So I figured we could, we could go a little bit this way for a bit <laughs> before before drunk driving and swerving back the other way <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it's it the, like we've said this one it has more of the punk sound that was missing on mischief brew the more actual punk rock i guess uh like musically this this song's two minutes long whenever mm. you first hear it it's not like the the song music changes up too much i feel right. like they have some interesting sounds on the album, but the individual songs typically are like what you see is what you get. There's not a lot of like shifting parts going on in most of the songs. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think most of my notes this week are more about the lyrics than the the music itself, which isn't a bad thing. I think there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of cool sounds and a lot of cool instrumentation and stuff throughout the album that we'll, that we'll call it when we get there. 
But yeah. uh, lyrically, this one, I, it was kind of hard for me to nail down. And I think the next track actually helped inform what this track means for me, I think. But it so it starts out and it sounds like he's kind of talking about having some moment of clarity and being ready to like leave his old depressed life behind and, and starting a new life. And then in the middle of the song, there's like this weird part about needing to put someone in a van. And then if they don't comply, just like bashing them in the head and going with it. I'm not really sure how that fits in. And then the like the the back end of the song is just talking about how fickle and shitty people are. And I was trying to piece it together. And I said, so, so maybe his realization that everyone sucks made him feel better about himself being a pretty mediocre person. <laughs> and that gave him the confidence to stop pitying himself and start living. And maybe the van thing was just like him kidnapping his former self and locking him up so that the new him can take his place in society or something. Yeah, like that's generally, I guess, the around the except. Yeah, like he in the beginning song, I guess the person's an alcoholic and Sean Bonnet, I know he's had like substance issues in the past. I don't I I don't know if he still does, but uh, like at least in the past he has so it's been something he's dealt with and just the looking to the future part of the beginning where just the opening line is i used to be a dead guy now i'm a fucking jedi (laughs) and he's just like talking about okay well i was this person but now i'm looking to the future and gift of the magi is a book about from what i can understand i've never read the book i don't i don't read me either but (laughs) but it's about like sack a book about making a choice to sacrifice something from yourself for the greater good of other people. And I feel like a lot of this song and this album is kind of a critique of society and how people are just about themselves where it's like, so that first or that second verse starts, it's like the gift of the Magi, more like the gift of the Magi too. you sold your soul to buy some tits and I sold my soul to grow a dick. Like it's, it's more about giving up stuff or sacrificing stuff that only benefits yourself and mm-hmm. is, doesn't have anything to do with other people. And that's kind of like where society is and the, the kidnapping get, just put them in the van type deal is I guess people being brought into society, like whether they want to or not is kind of how I took at least that part. Interesting. I can dig it. I like it. And I think that kind of fits in with uh, the final track, my kind of final thoughts of, of the album of knife man being the kind of the person, but we'll get to that at the end of the album. I think maybe, maybe tie it back a little bit, but uh, we're going to have to sing some, some American tunes before we get there. Cause it's a long trip to track number 16. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Sorry about that. Uh, But track number three, American tune. (laughs) Yes. Segwayed again. I'm I'm killing the segway so far. Hell yeah. You're you're killing them too. We're, we're in this together, man. We're doing it. this shit. I do like the, the start of this track, American tune. It's just got some like muted guitar and some simple strings that are kind of there. And then it comes in and it gets accompanied by a kazoo. Hell yeah. I think is what it sounds like. It, I, I'm um, pretty sure it is. Yeah. It's not as off putting as, as it sounds. It would be, but it's definitely a strange choice. And I, I noted at this point that like, I'm noticing more lyrics in this song than I usually notice when I'm listening to albums. And I'm not sure if it's just like a trick of the mixing or the arrangement, or maybe because his voice is just so like, unrefined that it stands out more against the the more smooth and soft instrumentation behind him but uh because of that like even despite his lackluster voice i guess i really like the song in part due to the lyrics well hell yeah see i feel like this song is what kind of polarizes people like 
because this is the song topic is not something that AJJ or Andrew Jackson Jihad ever like straight away from the right. song. It's I guess we'll I'll just start like with the lyrics at least yeah. a, a a preview. It's about like inequality in America, more specifically due to like race, gender, and sexual orientation, and yeah. more specifically in in like the actual lyrics. I know this this sentence right here is going to fucking trigger some people out there, but just like he talks about being a straight white male in America, and I feel like just hearing that instantly gets certain people's <laughs> it, it gets their goat is like some somebody saying something like I fucking love it. You fucking lib cucks and you <laughs> Yeah, I mean I fucking love the song. I mean, yeah, it's it's about like how privileged straight white guys are in America yeah. and I I don't know, it's it's the truth. Yeah. And there's so many good lines in this track, like just all of the lyrics are fucking great, but specifically like the the chorus and the last chorus, the last iteration of it. Is, is he saying so if i see a penny on the ground i leave it alone or i fucking flip it i'm a straight white male in america i've got all the luck i need shit's gonna work out for me just being like acknowledging that like yeah i have, I have it fucking easy i don't need any more luck so if i see a penny on the ground i'll leave it for someone else to pick up and have good luck because i'm fucking i've got it made compared to most other people in america yeah and like uh, man, and, and yeah, the verse before that where he's like, I've got a pile of broken mirrors and I'm walking under ladders and <laughs> yeah. I'm spilling tons of salt because to me that doesn't matter. And it's just, yeah. It's 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 it's, cl- it's very clever. There's a lot of very clever lines in it. I like it. I like it lyrically. I like it musically. It's, it's good. I do too. And speaking of musically, since I just fucking skipped over, he's got like, this is one of the ones where, like you were talking about with the kazoos, I feel like it still keeps a punk feel, but yeah. there's like a whole lot of like, there's like strings. Like they have an upright bass mm-hmm. player and uh, it sounds like there's some xylophones and stuff. Like it has a big sound without too much distortion causing the big sound. And that's right. kind of what I like about their instrumentation. I agree. There's a lot of really cool shit going on with the, the strings and other instruments on this album that I just, I really vibe with. Yeah, man. Like if I was a kid out there, looking for looking for music in a uh, in a music store i'd definitely be picking up some of this and putting it in my backpack fuck yeah i i uh... <laughs> <laughs> no you fucking that was, <laughs> that was great until you're unconfident <laughs> track number four is backpack hell yeah oh man that was that was top top comedy right there guys you get it here on feedback loop oh yeah that's what the listeners are coming back for. <laughs> absolutely that's the only that's our only selling point on this podcast is our expert segues hell yeah that's i mean if if we have a thing maybe that maybe that's gonna help us like exactly the segues <laughs> yeah track number four backpack uh this has some like groovy tremolo guitar kind of stuff going on and, and then another like nice gu- distorted guitar and what I noted the upright bass in this one, and there's some soft percussion and even some organ and stuff going on. And I think it's a great like deviation from the prior sounds, and I really really vibe with it. There's a cool like vocal filter that goes on <laughs> one of the layers when he sings certain lines in the song. It's usually like the first line in the chorus, but I think it happens another time as well that catches me off guard because it's like a higher pitch, like modulated kind of vocal of him singing it, so it sounds like a, a kid or like a, a female kind of thing singing it 
uh, and then before the final lines of the song, it sounds like there's like a gun that goes off or some sort of explosion. I wasn't really yeah. sure a hundred percent what which it was supposed to be, but it, it seems to be alluding to the the lyrical content. Yeah, this uh, man, I do like that the watery feel of that tremolo guitar though. Like it, it's so good. <laughs> it yeah, it's a really cool feeling. I mean, water is a is a is a big thing that we t- tend to like in yeah in music and we like water sounds yeah water sounds <laughs> just give me a whole album of water sounds just just but. pour some water into a glass and give it to joey <laughs> please do i only drink water and coffee and uh <laughs> adult beverages i guess but adult beverages i don't drink sodas fuck sodas i don't drink no soda pop i drink so much soda i drink way too much soda i thought you stopped jeremy I mean, I cut back. I stopped drinking Mountain Dew specifically. <laughs> well, there you go. That that's something. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's an issue that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh. But yeah. So that weird balloony voice, whatever. I just like how it all comes together to give the whole song an uneasy vibe to go yeah. with the lyrics, which are darker in tone than other songs on this album. And I feel like that is, I don't know, something that I kind of liked about the the album that we didn't listen to by them that people who can eat people album by them where it's that one that album had one specific song that was like kind of just brutal about like it went deep into imagery of like like this song is about somebody like dying or being gravely injured by others and the singer finding them and it's like a person that they love and they don't necessarily know what to do and yeah it's just kind of an an intense picture i guess yeah it is it, it he like he talked about finding finding a body on the couch and it was it was the couch where quote-unquote we had first kissed so it was like a lover or a former lover perhaps that he found and he, he's like carrying the body to the sea to wash them and he, he says that the body felt like a backpack and i was like well maybe that's implying that there's some weight of grief or guilt that's associated with that he felt he needed to like try and scrub away for this and then later the chorus changes and says that the body feels like a t-shirt so i was thinking okay maybe that symbolizes that he's finally accepted what happened and it's less of a burden even though it's still easy to see from the outside that it's still affecting him and he's just kind of wearing it as a t-shirt instead of this kind of burdensome backpack and then part of me was like well maybe it's not just like a survivor guilt thing and maybe this is a metaphor for something else but i'm not really sure what and then in track five, I kind of come back to backpack because like I maybe I, I looked too deep into it and I should have just gone with the simple like surface level stuff. But we'll, we'll talk about that when I talk about the lyrics for the next track. Yeah, I know he said it was supposed to come out like he's talked about this song and certain songs on other albums where he said it was supposed to come out like a brutal version of an action movie in a song but like kind of the darker themes of it. I've always just equated this song with the feeling of helplessness when faced with like the problems around you where he's in other songs, he's talking about society and issues that he's wants to help with, but doesn't even know where to begin. And he writes a lot of songs about feeling like a coward. And it seems that some of that comes from like paralyzing due to social anxiety. And that's kind of where I've always gone with this album or this song. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, it, he does talk a lot about that stuff on this album, so I, I think that's very valid. It's, it's not too distant from the truth, if if it's distant at all. There's not a well, lot of distance there. 
Well, the, the can distance keep, can is... Can I keep saying distance? It's steadily approaching at track number five, <laughs> distance. <laughs> Hell yeah. This one goes right back into the, the upbeat, punky rock sound with the guitars and the drums. The drums really, like, bring this track together for me, I think. It, it, there's a lot of, like, substance to them. It's a pretty cool, like, surfy guitar solo to it. And then the ending of this track, just it, it kind of winds down very, very slowly and nicely. It's a very complete package of a song, I think. It really is, and I I feel like the shortness of the tracks helps with that. Like, all these tracks on, like, the first half of the album seem to be, like, this one's 2 minutes and 33 seconds, but all the ones before it were, like, or back, I guess Pack Pack was a little bit longer. American Tune was about two and a half minutes, but then there's, like, Gift of the Magi is two minutes. Some of the next songs are under two minutes, and I right. feel like it keeps a nice punk feel where it's, like, not too much is changing, really, with the music in the songs. Like, there's no... It's not super experimental or anything, but it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be because they just wrote a good punk song wrapped up in a tight package. Yeah, and it's very, very concise. And I appreciate that, especially when there's fucking 16 tracks on this album. <laughs> that it, it seems like a lot, especially because typically I, I don't think we usually talk about the meta of us doing this podcast. But typically when an album has more tracks, it takes longer for us to do our notes because we're writing track by track by track as opposed to a long song which is just one cohesive work and it's less work to talk about fewer long songs than it is to talk about more short songs, I suppose. But it kind of works out for us because there's not a ton of deviation within each song that we can kind of hopefully keep this one under two hours. Yeah, hopefully. So in in that hope, I'll move on to the lyrics and uh, this song. So I always thought it was about just like a breakup. Like somebody was leaving. It was a one-sided breakup. Like the guy is kind of, hoping that they're going to get back together but the more i was reading into it the more it seems to just be about like a long distance relationship where it's not necessarily over but it's kind of just put on whole pause yeah yeah interesting so i i definitely leaned further into your original interpretation of the song that it seemed to be him like about him kind of being depressed post breakup kind of a thing and, and just being sad about the whole situation and then i was like reflecting on backpack because I couldn't really nail down backpack, which was the the prior track. And it kind of made me think maybe backpack was him grieving the end of his relationship instead of grieving the death of someone. And the murderers could have been, you know, friends of his former lover that convinced them to leave him. And he mentioned in backpack that like their tongue was cut out and tied up. So maybe that was his friends kind of, or the lover's friends, like, holding them back and, and not not giving him the closure of breaking up with him in person and, and just the friends kind of being like, no, nah, you got to break up with them. And then the person's like, okay, then then I'll do it. And like leave a note or something behind instead of directly coming to him and saying like, look, this isn't working out. We got, we got to break up. And so he kind of felt robbed of that closure. And I think the body that he could have carried was maybe just like memories that he had with the person that were kind of like weighing him down and, and depressing him because of the breakup. But maybe that's looking way too deep in, into the connection between these songs and that connection's not actually there. I like that a lot actually, because I feel like that makes more sense given kind of the trajectory of the protagonist of this album. Like it would make sense that the friends of this person are just like, uh, you got to get out of there. Like, yeah. And I mean, you were dead. Like the, the last song ends, you were dead by the time that I had found you. And it's like, you were dead in the sense of the relationship. By the time that he actually got to see the person, mm-hmm. it, it was over. So that would make a lot of sense. And it would, 
I mean, the way that this song is worded, it definitely sounds like it's a breakup. I mean, yeah, just the fucking the the opening line. The first month after you left, I drank and jerked off till I slept. <laughs> yeah, and like I went to work when I had to, and then came home. Like you're just like life is existence is pain. <laughs> and just doing basic basic things is just like it's a task. I, yeah, it's a task, and I really really like the intro to the solo where it's like, yeah. I hate whiny fucking songs like this, but I can't afford a therapist. Sorry guys. Here's a solo. And plays yeah. It goes, goes into the solo. It's a very, very cool solo. I, I like how self-aware he is. I think that's a big thing that this album is. It, it's very self-aware. Like, or he is very self-aware of what he's experiencing and how he's experiencing it. And I think there there is that kind of meta level to it, like in the song where he's acknowledging it that like I, I I know this isn't a fun song to listen to. I don't like these kind of songs, but I have to do it. Here it is. Here's a solo to to distract you from how shitty this song is or how how unfun the song is at the very least. He's he's a very self aware person and yeah. in, in tune with what he's feeling. I think, and that comes Definitely. up a few times on the album. It does, and every time it's good. I mean, this dude, he, he sees, like, he feels the, the, the devil on his back, and he just looks back, and he's like, fuck the devil, man. Yeah, just like track number six, fuck the devil. Except for the two Cs, like two how C's. people, how the kids nowadays say thick. With yeah. Two Cs, it's two fuck C's. with two Cs. And no K, it's just and, F-U-C-C. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no K at all. And I think that has to do with, I mean, I guess that has to do with whatever reference he's making because i'm looking at the lyrics and i never understood this until i looked at the lyrics on genius but apparently it's like a reference to another song yeah called sick made by brother lynch hung i don't i don't know that guy me either but i've, I've not not heard the song but yeah the first the first verse says i'm gonna fuck the devil in his mouth i just need to listen to my sickness so i can learn how and sickness is spelled s-i-c-c-n-e-s-s and the the annotation mentions that song and the, the first verse of that song is living with that triple six you learn to fuck the devil in his mouth and eat the shit out of his bitch <laughs> pretty intense intense imagery but you know i guess Rock while on, while, while we're on the topic of lyrics though this one it was kind of hard to follow at some points but overall to me it seemed like he, he was just feeling depressed and feeling a lot of self-loathing and being aware about it and acknowledging that he wants to change the things that are making him feel shitty he wants to get out of this rut but he's still he's still kind of dealing with it and he doesn't really know the best way to go about it yeah it's the song's always been like a good one to remind me like just because like i don't know part of my everyday life is like recognizing that there's yeah. plenty of things about me that i'm just like that's not that's not optimal. I, yeah, need to I, don't fucking, like that. I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> but then like, I don't know. Fuck the devil is just being like, okay, the bad things in you are the devil and fuck that. Like you gotta, you gotta confront it. You gotta try to like recognize it and get past it and yeah. change it. Which is not, not an easy thing to do at all. No, not at all. Um, and one line that I do like is just, uh, I don't know. I need to go throw up now. I want to be the queen of all the belly rubs now. Like I just, I relate to that having been a drunk person at a time, like where you're just like, God, I'm just like, 
I need somebody to like pat my head. And Tell me it's okay. Lay down without a shirt on on a tile floor and just <laughs> contemplate my life. <laughs> just just kind of sober up a bit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I I have not experienced such a, a moment in my life necessarily, but uh, I, I definitely understand the sentiment of it. Yeah. Musically, well, since we kind of skipped over it, this one yeah. has a more of a folky sound to it. It's got some some mysterious kind of vocal ooze, and there's a very faint kazoo in the background of this one yeah. as well. The electric guitar comes in with it, and it has like an immediate solo, and it's it's smooth. I'd, I'd like the sound of a lot of this album and, and the mixing of it. The, the mixing of the vocals in this track is also pretty cool, and just like the, just overall, I, I like the sound of this track. Me too. And uh, it has a pretty cool music video to it where Sean is just dressed up like a devil and he's just kind of like running around a hotel room being like acting like, oh, somebody's like literally going to fuck the devil. And he's just like, oh, very come hither. (laughs) Oh, baby. (laughs) But uh, in in the midst of all that love. (laughs) Neither one of us knew where to go there, but you, you were doing it. Hate, rain on me. Hate, rain on me. That's what I say to hate, because I like when it's raining on me. Yes, you you, you want all of the hate dumped upon yeah, you. Please. Like, like track number seven, hate, rain on me. Yeah, this one right off of... So, fuck the devil, it's kind of... A, it mentions alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And this one starts off with the popping of a can. Like, somebody just cracked open a beer. And I don't know if that means something in the in the context of this song, because this song doesn't really go back to that topic or anything. That's just yeah. kind of something that's always caught my attention. But uh, it's really... I don't think I noticed it. It's just like, for like a half of a second, it's like... Yeah, but, I'm not doubting you. I'm just saying I didn't, I didn't know it. Oh, I'm going to prove to you. We'll get to the playback. Go to the, bring yeah, that, bring hit the that replay. <laughs> do, do we have an instant replay? No? God, I okay. wish we did. Maybe, we don't maybe have a budget someday. for that. Yeah, we'll get like a sample board or something. Hell yeah. Cue <laughs> things up. Ahead this of time. one is really like guitar forward. It seems like there's like several layered guitars yeah. seeming to take melodies and little solos over each other. Like I like that about it where it's kind of bringing that forward or fuck the devil didn't really have too much of that distortion. This one kind of brings it back uh, and it backs out around the bridge and the bass hits the forefront. I feel like there's a lot of parts of this album where the bass is kind of the star just because it's not it's not like an electric bass most of the time i mean maybe sometimes it is but a lot of the times it's just an upright bass and it's got that nice full sound to it yes i'm I'm pretty sure there's some electric bass on this as well but yeah when you when the bass is brought to the forefront it's it's usually that upright bass and it's a good sound i like upright bass a lot and and cellos we talked about cellos recently <laughs> over the weekend but uh yeah it's, it's it's cool sounds i like it i think like with all the guitars and they're a lot of them are in like the higher kind of floatier octaves and stuff and and there's just like a little tinge of sadness it kind of like that sound in conjunction with the title saying hey rain on me it kind of felt like a summer rain kind of thing going on where where it's it's warm and it, it's kind of kind of cheerful, but there's also this kind of like damper on it that kind of kind of feels like a summer rain for me. Yeah, I feel that, and it also comes through in the lyrics as well, like kind of the feeling. Where I mean, the song is "Hate Rain on Me." It's and it's talking about 
just kind of rejecting the joy and cheery and fake happiness surrounding like just society, everything pop, like popular culture. And I mean, this album came out in 2011. I know times have changed. Like <laughs> there's not too much uh, happiness. Yeah. yeah. It seems like even, even pop music now is just all sad boy shit. Yeah. Which I'm all on board for. Oh, and I, for, for sure. <laughs> I would totally bet Sean is as well, because uh, that seems to be kind of the, the vibe that I get from this, where he's just like, I mean, it starts off. I wish I had a bullet big enough to fucking kill the sun. I'm sick of songs <laughs> about the summer and I hate everyone. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, just, just dealing with, uh, whatever he's going through at, at yeah. the moment, which usually in the context of this album, probably depression. Yeah. Maybe also mixed with some alcoholism, which is just compounding it and making, making a lot of things worse. Yeah. Kind of dealing with what that means for him. Man, I just love singing along with this whole album. It's just, and it's nice. <laughs> it's cathartic for you. It's very cathartic. And I I don't know if this is a part of the reason why I like folk punk so much or just kind of off key singers. Cause I'm not a terrible singer, I wouldn't say, but I'm definitely not a good singer. I would but disagree. I, well, you know. We'll, we'll, I think you have a good voice, Joey. Whenever we put out our hot mixtape, we'll leave yes. that for the people to to decide. <laughs> but there's just something freeing about being able to sing along with music, and you're not you don't you just feel it. It's entirely felt. You don't have to try to be like, ah, oh, I gotta make gotta my voice. Yeah, like I gotta really hit that note. You're kind of just going for it and it's just like it'll sound good regardless because the music was already written around somebody who isn't in the perfect key or isn't what it like hitting this exact note but yeah as long as as long as you sing with love if you have love in your heart while you're singing just fucking just let it out man that's what this music's about you couldn't see but i was nodding my head profusely while you were doing that (laughs) because track number eight if you have love in your heart this is the next track Yes, it is. I, I do that all the time when you start doing segues. <laughs> I kind of like, I lean back and I have a shooting grin on my, my face usually when you're starting a segue. I feel, like, I feel like even the listener can tell when we're starting segues because there's usually like a little pause and then we kind of like steer in a completely random direction. <laughs> but, yeah. Sometimes it's completely like integrated. Yes. So, we have some, some very good segues at times, but most of the time I feel like it's pretty yeah. pretty noticeable when we're changing topics but that's what we love about this podcast and that's what you love and if you have love in your heart you're listening <laughs> to the podcast so this song another is... segue right back into the same song track <laughs> number yeah. eight, if you have love in your heart this one is like back to the acoustic for this short song like mm-hmm. it's a minute and a half it's kind of like this is where i make the divide of the album in my mind every time i listen to it yeah like, it feels like an interlude kind of thing yeah, it's kind of just, it's the eighth track out of 16. I know that's not the exact halfway point, and most of the songs on the second half of this album are longer than the ones on the first, but it's, I don't know, it's just kind of back to the acoustic, like not very mastered sound. Like the vocals on this sound like they're kind of in in like a super reverby, faraway room. It's yeah. got that, that feel to it. It's pretty and, raw recording. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like it reminds me of a little bit of a longer version of Michael Jordan of drunk driving, driving just halfway through the album. Well, I think I like this one better than that. So, oh, 
maybe maybe the length no the length isn't the issue i just like, <laughs> I just like this one yeah it's, it's 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 minimal it's got the upright bass it's got the guitar there's not a lot of percussion to it but there's some just little little notes it's not, not and, a lot going on though yeah and i mean like the title it just flat out pretty much says what the song's about like if you have love in your heart then that's all you need like the lyrics are just like if you have love in your heart then then who am I to judge you if you have love in your heart that no one can rise above you type type deal just which is something that I mean is in a lot of the music that he writes where it's just like he is very much a as long as you do whatever you're doing with love and not like stepping on other people to do it like everybody just be like very much just be yourself and don't go into anybody else's stuff with like jaded intentions don't be a dick to other people and just kind of be the best version of yourself that you can be yeah which is a message i think we can all get behind because it's so positive man yeah i think no one would disagree with that i mean i i kind of slightly disagree with the way it is presented i, I know you, you were segueing i just i want to hear this i I just feel like it's at least the way it's presented in this song not necessarily the way you you explained because i agree with how you explained it because again it's a very positive message but i feel like just just having love in your heart doesn't mean that you can can get away with literally anything because a lot of things a lot of really shitty things are done with intentions of love right a lot of a lot of people have love in their heart when they're committing heinous crimes you yeah. know the, the, or just generally being dicks like the right. people who think that they can i'm, I'm not even going to start but yeah it's it, it's it, it's a there's a fine line yeah. obviously the intention of the song isn't necessarily that way but the way it is presented kind of made me like think about that i was like well not not you're not completely yeah. invincible just because you're you're, you're not able to avoid criticism just by having love in your heart you have yeah. to actually like be doing something good and not harming somebody else but yeah, yeah outside of having love in your heart there still is there are the like, criteria yeah there's still a moral kind of playbook to go by <laughs> right but but no one wants to to hear us talk about that we're going to talk about track number nine instead no one boom 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 which joey segued and then i, and then I brought segued. it back for a second dude we did two double segues in a row we did. We're What's dou- that double segue boys. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's done that before. A triple. A fucking triple. <laughs> I love the drum intro into the bass line in this track. It's got a good groove. There's like a surfy guitar and an organ that kind of comes in and it builds with the vocals for some suspense. And it's just very like dark and brooding. And this one, it kind of felt like a, a song by The Doors. But with kind of <laughs> kind of more like punk vocals and, and the solo comes in, hits perfectly. The drums rocking out on the ride cymbal throughout the solo and stuff. It's just, it's chef's kiss. I, I like it. Hell yeah. I totally agree. I wouldn't have made the Doors connection, but now that you say it, I see it. Like this yeah. song, it has a very like blues infusion into it, I feel, where that kind of gives it that darker sound. I, really? I, maybe I wouldn't even classify it as darker. I don't know what I'm saying. I, I, I think of the Doors as like a darker sound. So, so do I. Okay. Well, I maybe agree. I do know what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe I'm just agreeing with you. Who knows? <laughs> it's very, it's very like rainy day, moody, moody kind of music. I think. Yeah, I won't say this is like my favorite song on the track, or 
I say that so much. My favorite song on the album, <laughs> but it's definitely like, like I feel like this is a good intro to what I consider to be like the second part of the album. Yes, I agree with that. And uh, lyrically, I like the lyrics as well. Um, no one references what Sean considers to be the no ones of society. Not okay. That was that sounded bad. What he says that society considers to be the no ones of society. It's talking about uh, like the homelessness issue and right. p- people who are kind of just discarded by society. He used to work in a homeless shelter and just kind of saw like the brunt of it where people are just treated like less than people and society just kind of explains it away by saying, well, like they didn't work hard enough or they don't have the connections or like, or just the opposite of like the platitudes that if you work hard enough, you can get out, which isn't always true. Like there's, yeah, I I think that's discussed more in, in detail in a track, a couple tracks from now, but yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a great situation where we have people kind of justifying the place of homelessness and saying, no, like that they, they deserve to be there. We, we need those people down there because it's, it's, it's better for us if, if there are some people that don't have anything. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like the, the line that's like, uh, fuck, I'm trying to find it now. He pretty he's yeah he's just saying if every if there weren't any no ones there wouldn't be enough to go around and yeah. that's yeah just like a human lost and found if they let them all be some ones there wouldn't be enough to go around it's yeah. better for us all that there are no ones just which fucking is not shitty. true because all wouldn't would just like naturally include the people who you're calling <laughs> no ones so of course it's not better for all of us so how, yeah. did, did you just forget about those people like of course. Uh, yeah, because that's well, the whole not, point. Not forgot, but intentionally excluded, perhaps. Yeah, you're, you're intentionally ignoring these people. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fucked up. They Super fucked make, up. Makes me want to sing some sad songs. Intermission. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. The track perfect segue to track number 10. <laughs> sad songs. Intermission. <laughs> intermission. I fucking hate this song musically. I hate oh it. Oh my god. It's it's like I don't know. It's got this like super simple like traditional country song kind of feel to it, with like some honky tonk piano, and, and, and there's not a lot of like progression. There's not a lot of excitement happening. There, it's just I don't know. It sounds like something that would be played in like a local bar around here, and I I just I don't I don't like it. Lyrics aside, obviously. Yeah, I so I guess taking the whole context out musically, yeah, this isn't something that I would go for. Yeah. But in the context of the whole album, I like it as kind of like a palate cleanser and I understand that it the music is intentionally written to sound like this. Like it's Yes, it it's, was it was a decision for sure. Yeah. So, I kind of just go with that. But yeah, like it it has like an old-timey cabaret bar type like something you'd hear in I imagine an old saloon style yeah. like a a more modern bar that is meant to be a saloon wild west like themed bar yeah. in between shows at the bar and it's just like <laughs> some dude like bling, 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 like playing along on the piano just fucking honky tonking it up man and it has 
the best piano solo that is essentially just somebody mashing the same note for about 15 seconds really <laughs> fast. I mean, I feel I feel like Freebird hits that sometimes too. You know? <laughs> not not the Freebird on this album. Oh my god, I completely <laughs> forgot that there is a Freebird on this album. Yeah, the, the Leonard Skinner Freebird is what yeah. I was referring to. Uh, well, hey, you know you know what you, your boy Adam Neely says. Repetition legitimizes. So. Repetition legitimizes. Repetition legitimizes. <laughs> <laughs> Lyrically, this song is. I mean, I feel like it's a song that at least both of us can connect with, as we mainly like sad songs, and yeah. where he is talking about wanting to write sad songs and not wanting to be constricted to writing the popular happy music where people are just like, Hey, nobody wants to hear that shit. Write, write the happy songs. And that's yeah. like, that's, what's going to make you the money. And he, he's just not having that shit. Yeah. That is the song. And there's nothing, <laughs> I, can, there's nothing I can say to add to that. It's fucking that just makes me think of like kind of, kind of back in the day, like some older songs that aren't necessarily positive and cheery, but somehow still they worked because there was, a lot of like heart put into them and there, there was a lot of like thought and, and emotion put into them. So sad songs are okay. Like zombie by the cranberries by Andrew Jackson Jihad. <laughs> yeah. The cover by Andrew Jackson Jihad. <laughs> Did they ever cover the song? I don't think they have. I haven't heard it. Okay. And uh, I, so, okay. Track number 11, the title is zombie by the cranberries by Andrew Jackson Jihad. Yes. So that's the full title. Uh, <laughs> Sean, he was doing a live stream series at the very beginning of like lockdown. And he did it for a couple of months where every day, every, like every day without fail, he would go for like, I think it was about an hour. He would just play his songs, covers of other songs and just like play it for people. And I listened to just about all of them. And I don't think he ever covered it on there and I haven't heard it anywhere, but I would like to hear him try to cover zombie by the cranberries that would be <laughs> i think a good experience it might be but uh it is not the song despite what the title says <laughs> this is not a cover of it it's kind of like an upbeat folky swingy song kind of thing going on with just like an alternate bass line acoustic guitar mandolin vocals it's got a good vibe to it yeah it does have a good vibe to it it's got like i don't know it seems like it would be one of their older songs this song sounds a lot like they're more acoustic stuff from beginning. It has his signature kind of strumming as well. Yeah. It's a lot of like acoustic chords, but he does this thing where he like flicks his fingers while he's strumming with his hands and it like causes it just it just sounds like really, really, really fast strumming that's hitting a bunch of different strings all at the same time. So it kind of sounds like it's just playing a normal chord, but it's got like this extra little texture to it that I yeah, really like a, in his there's playing. There's a dimension to it that isn't just in a strummed chord. Yeah. Kind of thing. But that's that's about what the music sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics. Um, it, it's kind of piggybacking off of the homelessness that was talked about in No One, yeah. but it's more about the struggle of actually trying to do something about it, like where people are all just like, I don't, it starts off talking about like, if I had a cigarette for every time somebody, like a homeless person asked me for a cigarette, I'd have enough cigarettes to get me through the day. Which in that he's just talking about like, what what is me giving you a cigarette going to do? Like I I get it, it'll like give you a cigarette. It'll be ha- you'll be happy for 
not well you won't be happy you'll be placated for <laughs> yeah. for five minutes or however long it takes you to smoke that cigarette but then i also need my cigarettes and i'm not helping you in any way i'm not actually helping you by doing right. this and he goes on to like talk about like homeless shelters that are just giving like shitty food to people like talks about like giving them like little caesars and fruit punch and stuff stuff that's not helping them and it keeps them dependent on them not that you shouldn't help people and i feel like that's part of the struggle that's played in here where it's like it's a fine line between like helping people out in a tough time and fostering dependence towards other people without giving them a way to work towards independence right it's just hard yeah, it is it is very difficult. I think you you perfectly summed up a lot of the song. There's also this kind of ulterior motive kind of thing playing in where he he's criticizing the quote-unquote saints. There's a section of the song where he, he's singing you know, when the saints go marching in, but he he kind of like he's playing on that and it it to me at least came off as there's the intention that People, some people that are there helping out the poor, helping out the homeless, are just doing it for themselves to make themselves feel like they've helped someone, even though they're not actually doing anything. It's a very, I, I think, the, the towards the end of the song, yeah, the last line it says, "There's not enough space, there's not enough spare change in the world to make such an empty gesture count," referring to if someone asked him for for change, because it's it's so like, yes, it is good to help people out, like like you said. However, just giving someone spare change is not going to have any sort of long-term effect. There, there's there's just the here and now. It will give them a burger or something. It, it will help them buy beer or whatever the fuck. And and it just like it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It takes more than spare change and junk food to pull somebody out of poverty. Yeah. And there's there's this additional layer that even the people that do genuinely care that aren't just doing it to make themselves feel good. They can't give enough to make a genuine difference because they need the stuff themselves. You you can't really, it, it's very difficult for one person to put enough effort, put enough money, put enough resources into helping somebody get out of poverty without putting themselves in that situation. Especially in like the infrastructure that is, I don't know that we currently have, yeah, in, in I mean, society. we talked a little bit about it last week, I think, where we, we, I think we mentioned that, like, just just being a homeless person and trying to get a job somewhere or trying to, you know, wash up. It's it's you get you get kicked out of McDonald's if you if you look like you're a homeless person, pretty much. Yeah. Like, so many people just turn you away just because, like, you're you are in the situation you're in, and they don't they they don't see it as they don't they want they they claim to want people to get out of that situation but then they refuse them they they don't actually help them they don't want they don't actually want people to get out of those situations it seems how did it get to that point like that's what i want to know yeah i don't fucking know man (laughs) like how horrible though yeah like how can that be a thought process that people have it just blows my mind it is fucking crazy man people people are people People too, too. It's still people in. <laughs> this was the... <laughs> God damn it. Oh, man. Track number 12 is people uh, two in Roman numerals. So it's people, I, I, the number two. 
colon, still peopling. <laughs> so it, it's a sequel to a sequel. So it's people two two, still yeah. peopling. Which okay, so that that album I had referenced, people who can eat people are the luckiest people in the world, had two songs on there. <laughs> Coincidentally, the last song on the album was called People, and then like midway through the song, there was People Two. And it had it had a subtitle, but I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. But yeah. so at least in title, this song is like a a, a trilogy. It's to, the third to, song. Yeah, but it's it's two people two too. Which it to be fair, it does have more in common with people too. So maybe that's why it's people two too. I think yeah. he was just like fucking around. Also, I mean, still people. What's that? Every yeah. time I say that, I'm just like, what? It's still people and pe- people gonna people, man. They are. They definitely are. <laughs> It's, it's another like folksy kind of quiet track. It's it's similar to the the prior track, but not as upbeat. And it comes in like at the end of the song. It's just this huge like big rock finish that kind of like leads into the next track as well. But but for the most part, this track is just kind of like a, a a folksy kind of quiet track. I do on, like on the that folk big... side of their their uh, sound. I guess for yeah. this album. Yeah, I like that big rock rock finish. It's nice. And it comes out of nowhere, and it's really fun to sing. Yeah, whenever you're singing the whole song. <laughs> I agree. It it caught me off guard the first time I listened to this uh this album for the first time when I was driving up to Columbus over the weekend, and I I didn't know where he was going with the song. I was listening to it, and the end of the song is you don't have it any better, you don't have it any worse. You're an irreplaceable human soul with your own understanding of what it means to suffer, and that's a huge. And he he hangs on huge for a while. I'm like, where's he going with this? And it's a huge what? And he comes in with with bummer, and the the whole like the big rock rock ending kind of comes in. I'm like, oh, that's that's an interesting way to end the song. Hell got yeah, me completely it off guard. I just love how like flippant it is. Where the whole song, yeah. this is just a super serious song, and then he's just like, like it's the line before it. You're an irreplaceable human soul with your own understanding of what it means to suffer. And yeah. that's a huge bummer because it fucking is. It, totally is. <laughs> it is. It's a huge fucking bummer. It's a very, it's a very casual way to, to, to say that. Like, man, that sucks. But there's nothing. There's nothing we can do about it. It's just the way shit is. And I, I think that's like. I mean, that's the song is like kind of highlighting the fine line between having a stable life and having nothing, and it doesn't take a lot more than like a string of bad luck or a couple bad decisions to lose everything you've ever loved. But people, people still victim blame those that have lost things saying that it's, it's their own fault that they've ended up on the streets because they, they did something stupid. And it, that, I don't know. It's kind of, a, it's, it's kind of playing with those themes that we've already talked about a bit. And then it also kind of like, like, like we've mentioned it ends on this note of like, well, regardless of your situation, no matter how good or bad you have it, you know, like you, you have your own understanding of what suffering is and it's different from what everyone else views suffering is. And because of that, there's this disconnect and there's nothing we can do to really solve that disconnect between people. Yeah. Like, and that's highlighted so many other times in in this song. Like there's so many lines from this song that I feel like are, really good but like specifically hitting on that point of your own understanding of what it means to suffer and earlier in the song he says you don't want to hear about all those starving children you don't want to be told it's all in your head because if it's all in your head 
that's terrible. Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's also not a, bad. That's not the best case scenario at all. That's, yeah. that's maybe a worst case scenario because then there's nothing tangible there. Man, he also, then, another line that I really like, he says, you can hope it gets better. You can follow your dreams, but hope is for presidents and dreams are for people who are sleeping. God, that's such a good line. It I is. love it. I like, I like all of the song again, lyrically, this album, I feel like this album stands out to me lyrically more than any of the other albums that we've like talked about, which is maybe, maybe this is just a, like a weird turning point where I'm starting <laughs> to like, finally, after a year and a half of doing this, start to pay attention to lyrics as I'm listening instead of just like analyzing the words that are on a page and just kind of like feeling the music and, and doing it. But yeah, I lyrically, I just like this whole album and the song is, is definitely one of the examples of great lyrics in my opinion. Well, hell yeah. It's also in my opinion, like, man, I just can't say enough about this, this song. And, uh, I mean, I just want to say sorry, bro, for, for how long <laughs> I'm sure I ramble at times. <laughs> Yeah, we should probably wrap this up. We're, we're we're coming up on the hour mark. We're doing a okay. lot better than we did last week. <laughs> last week, but Dragon yeah. Three, sorry, bro. He said oh, we did. Yeah, we did. And uh, this one, it it hits back with the punk. It's like it ends with that huge bummer rock finish. Yeah, and it just keeps running from there. And it's it's a short one. It's a sweet one. It's got a nice punky punch to it. And you know, I like that sound. It's it's good. I agree. There's a nice little little breakdown and build up section towards the end, and it's just it's got this big final push. It's it is what it is, man. It's short. It's sweet. I'm just repeating you at this point because you you nailed it. Well, hell yeah, I love and nailing there's, there's things. There's not there's not a lot of discussion for better or worse on <laughs> on the music end of of yeah. this album sometimes. Yeah, which is totally fine. Uh, lyrically, this song it seems to be about like the trials and tribulations of living i guess in a modern more specifically american society like yeah which that seems to be what a lot like whenever he's referencing society he lives in phoenix arizona so he's referencing american society whenever he's talking about all the all the shitty things that are happening and uh, he's referencing people who normally just kind of go about their lives without anxiety or thinking of all the pressures or thinking about all the injustices or thinking about all just the shit that gets him down. And while yeah. he doesn't really want to be like them, he, in, he envies that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a kind of this, the whole song kind of goes back and forth of this, like I envy you, but I also don't want to be you yeah. kind of thing because like the, there, there is, there are many benefits to, to living in ignorant bliss, right? When you, when you don't have to worry about all those things, when you're just kind of in your own bubble and you don't, you don't have much struggle or, or you don't at least show any signs of, of that kind of anxiety or that struggle or weakness or of any, any sort. So he's like, man, that'd be cool. But also that would not be cool because then I wouldn't be aware of what's actually happening in in the world. He doesn't want to lose that kind of like individuality and freedom that he gets from, from having a consciousness and then being aware of what's going on. Whereas a lot of like, people in a quote-unquote normal life have a very simple almost like preordained aspect to it where they're just kind of like going with the flow and not really thinking about what they're doing yeah they're the people from last episode where we were talking about just driving home from work past the protesters and they're just like, yeah <laughs> okay i'm living my life yep but, that doesn't affect me and i like specifically the second to last i guess it's like a verse or a chorus or whatever but i feel like the words sum up a lot of how I feel about his music or how he portrays his music where he's saying, I don't want to be like you. 
but I'm still rooting for you. Where right. he's like, you're different, and I don't like I don't want that, but you do you, and I, I'm gonna be here for you on the sidelines. Like I'll I'll help you in whatever way I can. Yeah, and I think that sentiment came up in a different song. I don't remember what, what it was, but there, there, that that kind of theme of supporting someone that is doing something that he wouldn't want to do and and acknowledging that they're they're just different i mean even even in the last track you know when he's talking about everyone has their own perspective of what suffering is and that's just how it is and he's kind of just he's accepting that he's, he's saying like we're gonna be different and we can't change that or we shouldn't change that at the very least and so like i i just want you to be happy I want me to be happy and we have two different ways of being happy kind of thing. And they're, they're both valid, both extremely valid. And maybe they can uh, hang out, become at least acquaintances and hang out at the skate park together, you know, to do some fun stuff. Yeah. And get some fucking skate punk music going. Hell yeah. Like this track, track 14 skate park. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's got some like ominous rumbling, and some some drum hits before the song really kicks off into a pretty upbeat kind of like it, I mean it's it's called skate park so my mind of course went to like skate punk kind of music like in, in Tony Hawk's Pro Skaters and, and stuff <laughs> like that but it's got a pretty clean guitar tone as opposed to like a lot of the distorted kind of skate punk but it's it's still like very upbeat and ripping and blistering through it all yeah this one it's very like I kept wanting to say upbeat and then I had to switch it to up tempo because. So something about their music doesn't hit upbeat for me, but I yeah. think it's the lyrics. But this song, I feel like you could use upbeat because he's talking about. That's true. Like I feel like this is a pretty, I guess, hopeful song. And while the music is, it feels like a more stripped back continuation of like "Sorry, Bro" with like the clean tones and stuff. It still has the energy, definitely. Yeah. But it's uh, it's like the guitar tone. Yeah, it's cleaner. But lyrically. This one is more continuing the be yourself vibe of like wanting to like the we're all different. Be yourself. It's not it's not your job to make everybody happy. You don't have to answer to anyone or anybody. Yeah. And just stick to your guns. Yeah. And don't quit until you feel like changing them. Yeah. And I think that is what I like the most about the song, at least lyrically, is like the like we literally just said the chorus is like <laughs> stick to what you're doing, do what you want to do, but don't feel so tied to it that you feel trapped in it. You can always change that. Like if, if you find that something that you've loved doing for the past 10 years, no longer brings you joy, you can change that. You don't have to keep doing that. You can, you can go find something else that makes you just as happy because people, people are growing, people are changing and you, you should never feel like you're stuck into doing something just because that's what you've been doing. That's what used to bring you joy. Yeah. That's, I feel like that is such a forgotten notion that just people naturally change. Nobody is almost nobody is going to stay the exact same for their entire life and be happy with it and not change anything at all. And if you feel stuck, change should come from within. And I feel like that's the most effective change. So allow yourself that change. Yes. Not, not because somebody else told you. And it, it's really hard, like, especially from like a hobby standpoint, right? Like if you grew up, you know, playing football in, or playing any sort of sport in school and that was what you found passionate about or felt passionate about. And then like you graduate high school, you maybe go to college for sports. At some point in your life, you're not going to be able to physically do that. 
or even before that time happens, like you might just stop finding it interesting. You might be tired of playing football or soccer or whatever. And there's this kind of like, it's kind of sad acknowledging that. So I feel like a lot of times you just keep doing it anyway, or like playing video games or, you know, whatever, whatever extra curricular activity kind of thing that you're into. Like it's okay to hit a point where it doesn't bring you joy. And I feel like a lot of people hit that point and they acknowledge it in, in their minds, but they kind of reject it at the same time. They're like, no, like I I don't have anything else. This is all I have is playing video games 12 hours a day. And if I don't do that, then I'm not me. And that's, that's kind of something that I've, I've mentioned before that I've been kind of dealing with, not specifically like with hobbies or anything, but just this, this perception of, who you are as a person and tying it to things that aren't you. It yeah. kind of, it creates this kind of bad situation where you're, you're trapping yourself into doing something that you don't enjoy. Man, individual individuality and freedom is definitely, it's a double-edged sword. That's it for is. sure. <laughs> it is. It makes me just want to want to go out to a concert and, and yell at whoever's playing free bird to make them <laughs> to play track 15. <laughs> free bird free bird the but free it, bird that we that you halfway referenced earlier yes that is not the leonard skinner tree bird no, no. nor is it a cover of the leonard skinner tree bird hmm that seems to be a theme on this album <laughs> I mean, it's two tracks right yeah. although this yeah, one isn't 16. this isn't free bird by leonard skinner by the andrew jackson jihad yeah. it's just free bird this one is the beginning of what i consider to be one of the great ends of an album that yeah. I heard like recently, like the I last agree. two. Oh, I'm I'm so glad you agree. <laughs> the last two songs on this album, specifically after listening to the rest of the album, are just like every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh shit, man, that's good. Yeah, the, this track it's it's it almost has a finality to it. This is this is the penultimate track on the album. There's definitely a connection between them. I mean, the titles are Free Bird and Big Bird. Spoiler alert! So if you <laughs> if you hear us mention Big Bird, then we're gonna start segueing. But it's 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 definitely one cohesive end with two different tracks, and I I do think it was a good choice to have them as two different tracks because they do have two different sounds to them. But they both kind of it together form the ending of this album in, in a very good way. Free Bird has it starts with like some like ambient noise whether it's like running water or rustling leaves and, and there's like some bird noises and then there's like a cough. And then this kind of slow lumbering folk song starts from that. Uh, and at some point there's like a steel guitar that comes in and it really gives this kind of like Southern feel to it that I, I, I really enjoy. I just like the sound overall on this, this track. I do too. Like it's four minutes long and I, it really stays in that folk sound kind of slow lumbering folk sound for most of it yeah and i don't like it does not feel four minutes long i feel like this song it's just like not to sound too insane but i feel like time doesn't exist whenever i'm listening to this song where it's like it doesn't feel too long it doesn't feel too short i would not have thought that four minutes has passed whenever i'm done listening to it it yeah especially in the context of this album where so many of the tracks are like two and a half minutes two minutes even shorter than that there's a lot of short tracks on this album these last two tracks are two of the longest album or tracks on this album and it doesn't like it doesn't feel out of place it doesn't feel like you're going from a bunch of short sprints to like some long journey 
it feels completely natural. <sighs> well, I guess we'll move on to lyrics because uh, I I was talking about freedom being a double edged sword in at the very end of the last song, and that's kind of what this song is about. It's about where we were talking about him having. I guess the knowledge to think of all the problems in the world. And that is a freedom that is, I mean, for better or for worse, he at least can do it. It's yeah. not always great for his mental health or just his health in general, but he, he can do it. He has the freedom to do that. He has the freedom to be who he wants to be, but it's also a struggle to just be who you want to be or to know what you want or to act on that even like, cause knowing what you want is only like half the bot, half the battle. Mm-hmm. And then actually putting it into reality is also like accepting it and putting it into reality is also just another struggle in itself. Yeah. I feel like the, the whole, like the, the final conclusion of the theme of this album is acceptance and, and kind of finding peace within all of the anxieties and all of the issues that he's kind of talked about throughout the whole album. This track is definitely like in that vein of just like, yeah, this, this is kind of shitty but it's how it is, and I, I don't want to change that. I, I think it's a good thing that that I can see the shit in the world. Yeah, and he sums it up great with the end of the choruses that are... The first one is, I'm as free as a bird flying over the sea who just can't find the summer. And the, sec- the next one is, I'm as free as a man who's out wandering the streets looking for shelter, which is just like yeah. talking about like, yeah, you have the freedom, but you still like... it's The freedom isn't... It doesn't fix everything. Yeah. You still have to know where to go. You still have to know who to talk to. You still have to know what you're doing even. And the lines in the, I guess the last verse, um, if there's a God in the sky or a devil below, that doesn't matter to me because I see Satan's face when I look in the mirror and I see God inside of all the people I meet where it's just like reiterating how he seems to just like so much believe in other people, but he still doubts himself so much or he's seeing God in other people. But when he's looking in the mirror, he sees Satan, which is fucked. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to live like that. Like, Mm -hmm. and I I feel like it's a super common thing, especially nowadays where there's, there's so much like self doubt and and self criticism amongst people and, and people just like, it's it's kind of bad. It's it's almost like an idolization, I guess, in some extreme cases where like people are like, "Oh yeah, like everyone else is is great at adulting." Yeah. Or 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 doing something. Everyone else is making something. Everyone else is settling down. They're having kids. They're they're getting a career going. Whatever whatever it is, people see the success in others and they're like, "That's incredible. I wish I could do that." Instead of flipping around and being like, "No, wait, I can do that." I'm going to do that or I'm, yeah. I'm going to, to find success in my, my own definition of what success is. <sighs> Man, life is just hard. Like sometimes I just want to go back to childhood and watch Sesame street. You know, Jeremy, who is your favorite <laughs> character on Sesame street? Elmo. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Track number 16, big bird. Boom. <laughs> the the segue that never happened hell yeah it was the implied segue i'm trying something out they they knew it they knew it was coming you guys filled in the blank maybe we should have just left it blank maybe i'll edit out and just have it like what what is your favorite sesame street character audience what is this door the explorer (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh man this one this this song though this one though this next verse though 
Yeah. Whew, this has some like echoey acapella singing that comes in for the first like few bars and it feels so like empty and that emptiness is just set up to contrast the huge ominous sound that comes in filling all of the empty space with strings and, and pounding drums and it's got this just massive like finale feeling to it even if it's not a happy ending it's it, it isn't the conclusion of this and you can feel that there's this kind of midsection in it that I guess really it's the ending of the song, I yeah. suppose that packs this huge punch and then the droning of the bass sustains a while. The drums kind of come in for a measure or two, just kind of like playing some random beat <laughs> out of nowhere, which is kind of weird. And then we're just kind of like left with some ambient park noises, like birds chirping and, and cars driving by kind of bringing it full circle from the start of Freebird. Yeah, man, that big sound they get though, like, it's Massive. got whatever fucking like bass they have going yes. on in there. It's it's like a bowed upright bass, but it sounds so much bassier than it has any right to sound. Yeah. Somehow. It sounds like a contrabass or something. It's just yeah, like, like so fucking low. It's just insanity. It rocks my whole head every time I'm listening to it. And man, at this point, the first time I listened to this album, it was just such an experience. Yeah. Like I, I'd liked the whole album up to this point, and then the first time I was listening to it, I got to this song and I was just like <laughs> I think I actually like had to like pull over yeah. somewhere. Like I you was on the stop. highway and I was just like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah, you got, you have to like stop and acknowledge <laughs> the, the sound that is occurring in, in your ears because it's it's phenomenal. It is it is a big sound. Uh, big sound accompanied by big bird lyric. Big yeah. bird. <laughs> <laughs> Big Bird is making those big sounds. Yeah, Big Bird is the company <laughs> that America doesn't want you to know exists. Yeah, hashtag, big, oh. hashtag birds aren't real. Oh my god, <laughs> that whole fucking movement is gonna latch onto this Big Bird. <laughs> hey, birds aren't real. If you want to sponsor an episode, we'll fucking do it. Yeah, I'll take that sponsor in a heartbeat. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you go, you go. Okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this again. Lyrically, uh, <laughs> the song is is just about the singer kind of reflecting and being afraid on, on being afraid of all of the shitty things that affect people and more specifically how they affect people he loves. And he talks about being afraid of mortality and death, but he's also afraid of like being alive because the world is fucked up and scary at a lot of points. Uh, I did look into the annotations on this. this is the first time for this album that I actually like looked at what people were saying about the lyrics because I, I couldn't pin down Big Red Bird, what that was talking about. Uh, and you kind of mentioned it earlier. He, he, The band is based in Phoenix, Arizona, obviously Phoenix being a big red bird that gets rebirthed from ashes or whatever. But uh, from that, it kind of seemed to acknowledge that even though he has all these fears, each day is a new day, and he he's able to get a clean start every day if he if he needs to and he can strive to be better or to be less fearful i don't exactly agree someone annotated the the last section where the title comes from about him becoming knife man or becoming a knife kind of thing they they said that it was him buying a knife was like him trying to shut out or suppress his fears or suppress the world and that the peaceful bird sounds that happen towards the end of the track were like kind of revealing that his fears were exaggerated. I don't really agree with that. Instead, I think it's it's more like he's saying that he has the power to make changes 
in his life that can lead him to overcome those fears where he's getting a knife. He can cut out parts of his past that scare him and, and kind of like whittle his life into something more meaningful than it has been. And this kind of empowerment brings him some form of peace, even if it doesn't stop other people from being shitty or stop loved ones from dying. It kind of gives him, it gives him more control than he's kind of accepted at this point. Yeah. I, that's how I've always seen it as well. Like, I mean, a knife is a tool that can be used self-defense to make stuff, to make things better, to make new, like to make a new time in his life. It can be used to create the future. And it's one line that he, that I like that he brings back actually from distance Mm -hmm. is uh, it's harder to be yourself than it is to be anybody else. I wish I were a little less of a coward. And in distance, he says, I wish that I were someone closer to you. And I feel like the difference there is him accepting that like i don't know he says i wish that i were someone closer to you and now he's wishing he was a little bit less of a coward so he could do something about it maybe it's more of like an independent notion i think yeah like he's wanting to change now and i mean and he was talking about in skate park that don't stick to your guns don't change don't quit until you feel like changing them and now he's feeling like changing them yeah, and he's gonna be moving on. I agree with that. I, I I like this the album. I like the album lyrically overall. Like it, it's all very solid. I think for the most part, and and the messaging behind it is super positive and and stuff that like I relate to and and that I also like to to share and and preach about and stuff like that. So I'm fucking down. I'm down with this album, even though every time I listen to it, I I don't like the first track or two it kind of like it starts a bit rough for me, but eventually like by the end of this album, I've forgotten that it had a rough start and I just, I'm I'm engrossed in it. I really like this. I think this was a good pick. Hell yeah. Especially because like there's, there's so much like so much of the lyrics stood out to me on this one that it, it just like, I don't know. It feels very well crafted. I'm very glad you liked this album because I very much like this album and it makes me feel like I didn't fuck up last week whenever I made the decision. <laughs> Cause it was like, I had two albums that I was going to pick and I was like, depending on, it just makes me feel like I made the right decision. Cause I, I made the decision. I mean, I don't, on. I don't know what the other album was, but I feel like this was a good decision regardless. This was, I am almost certain a better decision. Than <laughs> the other. Well, we're going to find out cause we're doing it next week, right? We are. But it, before I announce the album, it will start something. And it's going to start, I I had mentioned there was an artist who I really liked because I kind of went on a parallel journey as him. And Mm -hmm. you can hear his journey through the music. And and not like I went to the extremes that he went, but it was just like something I listened to over time. And it kind of came out similar to certain things that were happening in my life. And uh, this is a very familiar story to me. In in, oh. my, in in some other journey that we're going to take at some point. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> so, so this will be this will be good. I'm I'm excited for it because as as good of friends as you and I are, there's a lot of the like personal like backstory stuff that we just don't talk about because it never comes up. So yeah. if if this is kind of going through some of that shit, I'm I'm excited about it, man. It's at a time where you would have known me, but but not I, I would have known of you. Yeah, yeah. Or known 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 you without you, knowing you yeah it, it was early on at work i'd say at whenever we met at the Hell place yeah. that we worked so but uh so this album is called love songs for the apocalypse by johnny hobo and the freight trains 
All right, Johnny Hobo and the Freight Trains. Yep, I like that. I like the sound of that. Hell yeah! Even and though I, I feel like the 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 music that would accompany Johnny Hobo and a Freight Train maybe maybe not great, but you know we'll see. But you will be pleased to know that this is a substantially shorter album <laughs> with less tracks. <laughs> hey, it wasn't an issue for this AJJ album. I, yeah, I, I guess it's I honestly, true. I liked it a lot. So sweet. So next week we're, we're listening to Love Songs for the Apocalypse, Johnny Hobo and the Freight Trains. I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're starting the the second leg of this kind of folk punk thing, kind of pivoting and, and going in, in this hard Johnny Hobo direction, <laughs> learning about Joey's tragic backstory. Oh God. <laughs> or, or whatever, whatever this means to him. Uh, so I'm down for it. I'm sure you guys are down for it. Uh, if you have thoughts on this AJJ album, let us know in the comments. If you have thoughts about Johnny Hobo and the freight trains, come back next week. Cause we're going to be talking about, his discography, I guess, over the next three weeks. It won't be at, least, at least three albums in yeah. his discography. So he's got a lot of albums and a lot of bands. Oh, is is his name Johnny Hobo? Is uh, his his name is his birth name is Johnny Hobo. His name is I guess his stage name is Pat the Bunny. Real name Pat Schneeweiss. Oh, it, it's him. Okay, it's him. We, we've we've hit peak Joey music. Yeah, we, we really have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back next week, and I'll be shitting on uh, one of Joey's most personal albums that he shared. I suppose it'll be fine. It'll be it'll be totally great. Leave us some comments. Send us some messages. Let us know if you liked or hated this this, this episode of ours. <laughs> or pro- probably it's just great in comparison to the last week's two-hour episode. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Fucking stand your feedback. Bye.